When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. I'm down in Phoenix, uh, Hubbard Phoenix Studios, hanging out with my dad and uh, watching some spring training. Still doing the show. Judd up in the TCL Broadcast Studios with Dave. And I have some Minnesota sports prop bets for you gentlemen. All right. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Ready. All right. Let's start with this one. Let's get the quarterback one out of the way here. I'm going to give you three options, and you put a percentage chance on these options as the week one starter for the Vikings. Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater, mm-hmm. or the field? Percent chance, Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater, or the field starting under center for the Vikings week one? Dave, do you want the honors of starting us off this time? Oh, man. Yeah, I uh, I can start us off here. Kirk Cousins, I'm going to give an even, let's say, one-third chance, so 33%. He gets 33 Teddy, I'm still not high in the idea of Teddy. We'll say about 15%. So what that puts me at 48. So the field gets 52%, led by Case. Okay. Yeah, I think what uh, it wasn't it Charles Robinson who just told us last hour to you know Case Keenum go test the market. The only thing is if he tests the market and then holds the Vikings to a higher price because of the screw job factor. Yeah. But uh, okay, yeah. Judd. I am going to give Kirk Cousins a 30% chance of starting the season as the Vikings quarterback. I'm going to give Teddy Bridgewater a 30% chance. And then I'm going to give the remainder of the percentage 40 to the field. Because well, you guys have pretty pretty large field percentages well, here. Well, here's the here's the issue though, and here's and here's what would concern me. I th- I think that Spielman and the front office are going to go all in on Cousins. And if that's the case, I can't guarantee that the rest of the quarterbacks who have the opportunity to explore their options won't bail during the legal tampering period, Phil. And so if that's the case and you don't get Cousins, it's back to the field. So that's why. So I'm going to – I think I think it's at least 50% Kirk Cousins. I, re- I really believe all of the steam, and I think the Vikings are the best option, and it's, it's going to be a bunch of money no matter what. So um, – I'm going to say 60% Kirk Cousins. Oh, wow. 25% Teddy Bridgewater. Uh And then the remaining, uh, what's the math there? 15% field. So, and I just think that the the field doesn't have enough options that Mike Zimmer would feel comfortable with. Um, Rick Spielman obviously wants Kirk Cousins. And if not, like, I think... I think Mike Zimmer would fight, and Rick Spielman would agree because he drafted him Teddy Bridgewater. The only scenario in which it would be field is if you whiff on Kirk Cousins and somebody gives Bridgewater a bunch of money before you can get to him. 
where like Bridgewater takes a seven million dollar contract or something from the Dolphins um, on the first day of the league year while Kirk Cousins is visiting, and you get down three days three days of visits, and you're waiting on Kirk Cousins, and like we've been talking about, some of the options are off the board. So you said sixty percent Cousins, though, huh? Yes, I think it's sixty percent Cousins. I really do. I think it's like sixty percent uh, Vikings and so I think. If you're going to do that, well, here, all right, here's another thing. Like, percent, if you do it from Kirk Cousins' side, too, mm-hmm. um, how would you handicap? Like, if you're, here's another prop bet. If you're Kirk Cousins and his agent, Jets, Broncos, and Vikings, what would your percentage pie chart look like? Just in terms of how favorable those teams are and the money and all the factors. Oh, I'll start. I'll start. Yep. Because yep, I, yep. I think, I think money is going to make all of them somewhat favorable if they're all willing to offer you like ninety million dollars guaranteed. Yep. Uh, but if I'm Kirk Cousins and agent, I'm going to say, I'm leaning kind of similar, sixty percent to the Vikings, and then between the Jets and the Broncos, like I'll give the Broncos a little more of an edge if they can come up with the money. So I'll say sixty percent Vikings, and uh, like twenty five percent to the to the Broncos. And the Jets, the only thing they can offer is money, so they fill out the rest. But if the other two teams can close the money gap, then I don't think the Jets are as much of a possibility as everyone says. All right, I'm going to say, for, uh, if I'm Cousins, 40% to the Vikings, uh, I would say 30% to the Broncos, and the rest to the Jets. Where are the Broncos at money-wise exactly? They're not in great shape. Tw- what did Charles say? Charles told us that the reality is they have $26 million right now in cap space with the, with the obvious ability to clear out more. And I, that's why I put them third behind the Jets. I think the Vikings, if you're looking at for a team that can win, I think the Vikings are much more appealing. So I'd put them more like the uh, 40 to 50%, but uh, yeah, the Jets maybe like a 35, 40, just because they can pay. Here's, but I, I wouldn't go to the Broncos. I don't think they're in a position to win that here's with the, just him. Here's the one thing that's super intriguing that Charles brought up to us, though, is if the Cousins camp is really going to go in and demand, let's say, a three- or four-year contract and say we're not doing seven years and we want four years guaranteed, that's going to make teams think. And the Vikings might say, we don't care. But I do think that's a dynamic that's going to be very different because what Charles was talking about is teams would like to do the long-term Brady type of deal. So let's say, Phil, by year five, the team can go back to Cousins and say, let's restructure and let's bring you way down for this year to get more guys. Yeah. Well, you can't do that in this case. So so that's the one interesting dynamic is is teams would have to pay him a lot of, of money over a short-term period. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's go to go for basketball here. I'm going to read you a statement that Richard Patino put out on his new Twitter handle at Coach Patino MN. It was uh, something similar before, but he deactivates his account during the season and then like forgot to log in over a stretch of time and they just deleted his account. So now he's back to ground zero at Coach Patino MN and he tweeted this out this morning. And then I have an over under or a profit for you. Okay. Go for fans. I just wanted to personally say thank you for sticking with us to the end. This season was obviously challenging for a variety of reasons. Nevertheless, we move forward and we'll get stronger. We turn our focus to finishing the year strong academically, hitting the road, recruiting, and, of course, getting healthy. Thank you so much to Nate, Bakari, and Gas. All three will graduate and go on to do great things. They're special kids. Go Gophers. Richard Patino. P.S. New Twitter handle. Forgot to log on during the season and lost all my followers. One day I will stop doing that. Um, I think it's like the second time he's done that, where he just goes offline for the season, comes back, and he forgot. So anyways, here's my question to you guys. It's a simple yes or a no. It's a, it's a prop bet, even money on both sides. Mm-hmm. 
Will Richard Pitino still be the head coach of the Gopher basketball team on May 1st, 2019? Yes, he will be. Yeah, I think he's gone from uh, two years ago was the worst year in program history, I do believe. Last year was an incredibly pleasant surprise that we didn't see coming. And this year was probably among the most disappointing. So I think with the three recruits coming in, uh, with Coffee coming back, I think that they they have a fighting chance to have a very decent season next year. He will be the coach. Yes. Yes, and if I had to put numbers on it, I'd say I'm 65% sure. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to say yes as well because I think they bounce back and make the NCAA tournament next season. So it's going to it's gonna be this incredible up-and-down, choppy four-year stretch where you've got two of the worst years in the history of the program, but then two NCAA appearances, and that'll be enough to to push forward. Uh, but it, I, his, his seat will be very hot once the buyout comes down even more from the four or five million it's at now if they don't make the NCAA tournament next year with a, a Jordan Murphy senior season. I mean, he's going to be one of the best players in the country. What does it come down country. to? Do you know? It's, the buyout yeah, or what? It, yeah, it's 4.1 right now. What what does it come down to after the 2018-19 season? I don't buyout? know exactly, but it was at $7 million as of, what, a year and a half, a couple years ago. Oh, it saved him, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm assuming it comes down. I I don't know exactly. Doogie might know. I think it's in the – I think we can just get access publicly to the language, but um, – I don't know. Somebody else can look that up, but it's it's something more reasonable than seven million a well, couple of years ago. I think he makes it, and I, I I think that they come back and have a decent season next year, and he survives. Yeah. All right. This is a gun to the head prop bet, so a lot of pressure on you guys. Very violent. Wow. From yes or no to a gun to the head. Gun to the head. Oof. How many twenty home run hitters are in the Twins lineup? How many guys are going to hit twenty bombs for the Twins? In 2018. And you predicted three already and write that down, correct? I got three 30 home run hitters. Sano, Dozier, and All right. Lomo. All right. Dave? Hang on. I'm doing the lineup in my head. So Sano, Dozier, Morrison, Maurer, probably not. Maurer might. Maurer doesn't get the hey, 10. Hey, Maurer. Hey, Maurer, why don't you hit a home run for <laughs> no, once? That's, yeah, that was he humor. doesn't get the 10. Uh, Rosario. Yeah, we'll put him at 20. Kepler. Yeah, Rosario had like 27 last year. I'll say five. What All right. Heck, five. Judley? Uh, let's see here. Rosario, yes, for sure. Dozier, yes. Sano, yes. That's three right there. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with uh with six. Wow. And as a wild card, I'm gonna throw Byron Buxton. Mm. Byron Buxton had 16 home runs last year. And Byron Buxton had a brutal, what, first three months of the season? I'm going to say Byron Buxton gets to right about 20. Mine, mine came to either or on Buxton and Kepler. One of them will do it, one of them won't. I'm not going to say which. Play close to the best. I mean, Kepler should. I yeah, feel like Ke- maybe Kepler needs to work on his launch angle a little bit, but I feel like he should. Uh, Polanco is kind of a sneaky threat if he puts together a full season to hit 20. I'm going to go with six as well. well. Escobar hit 20 last year. Hit 21, kind yes. Of a backup oh, role. forgot about him. Shoot. I'm going to guarantee Lomo, Sano, Dozier, Byron Buxton I'm going to put over 20, and uh, Eddie Rosario. And then I'm going to go with a sixth guy from the pool of Kepler, Ed Escobar, and Polanco. So you're with me, six guys. Yep. Now there's a fighting chance... A fighting chance that if you gave enough at bats to to a Mitch Garver that he could, but he's going to split too much time with Jason Cascio. Yeah. So there you have it. 
Uh, should we check in? Speaking of the Twins, Fort Myers, Derek Wetmore has been down there covering spring training. We can uh, go down to Hammond Stadium next. Mackie and Judd. Login in. Username. Mackie and Judd. Access granted. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500 ESPN. Zolgad back here in the studios. Uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie in Phoenix at the Hubbard Studios there. And Derek Wetmore from uh, lovely and I'm sure very warm Fort Myers covering sp- uh, tw- twin spring training for us. Check out his work, 1500ESPN.com. Uh, Derek, let me start with an injury uh, report that I saw today. W- what is the status, and is there concern about Mitch Garver and his sprained right knee? Yeah, I saw Mitch yesterday walking through the Twins clubhouse, and I think this might be much ado about nothing. He's got a bit of a tweaked knee, and it's not going to be a long-term injury from what they're saying. Garver, obviously, in competition to be the backup catcher, and I don't expect this injury to set him back from that. Uh, if he does, the Twins have a couple of options to back up Jason Castro. But like I said, I, I just don't think it's going to be too serious of a long-term knee injury for Garver. He was walking around just fine yesterday in the clubhouse. So I think Garver is, because of the Buxtons and all these other names that have come up, Garver is maybe someone that's gone under the radar. What kind of a player is he? What's his upside? I like the fact that he can play outfield, first base, and catch. But uh, like, who do the Twins think he can be here down the road? Yeah, I saw Garvin the Fall League a couple years ago, guys, uh, 2015 in Scottsdale, Arizona. And at that point, he was a bat-first catcher who was learning how to catch. Uh, not that he couldn't catch. He caught in college, but that he really wasn't to the same level of your major league catching options. Um, he was a good hitter who they were basically trying to work with behind the plate. And, I mean, those kinds of players come around every once in a while. Sometimes they find a new position, and Garver, to his credit, has added some versatility there to the point where they actually like him as a catcher now, and he can play first, and he can play some corner outfield. Um, it's still going to be the bat that is his first tool that you notice, but I think that's sort of what they've hoped, that he kind of has become a more well-rounded package in the last couple of years to the point where they basically felt comfortable not adding very much catching depth behind Castro this winter. Hey, uh, Derek, this question is not to ask you about who's looked good in games or who might be uh, exciting you by their performance in games, but just from being around the fields uh, for, for the past few weeks since spring training opened, who have you seen who has worked on certain things? I, I mean, are you seeing players in particular who might be trying to improve upon on things from last year that they struggled in? Are there guys who are showing just even small progress in certain areas that would be considered a step forward for 2018? Well, if you let me expand the timeline of that question sure. a little bit, Go ahead. To like the last year, it'd be Jorge Polanco at shortstop. I remember joining you guys on a couple of radio interviews last year saying, ah, I'm not too sure on Jorge Polanco at shortstop. And, and I felt pretty strongly about that through the first couple of months of the season that this was a guy who was playing a little bit above his capability. By that, I mean he was being asked to play shortstop in the major leagues when I just frankly didn't think he was a major league shortstop. He had timing issues. His hands weren't the steadiest. Throws were off target far too often for my liking. Um, but through some combination of hard work from Jorge Polanco, and also I would attribute some of the success to Joe Maurer just scooping everything at first base. Polanco turned into a pretty decent defensive shortstop last year, and I think that's carried over into this spring to the point where now you talk with Twins coaches, and whereas I think they'd, I think it'd be fair to say there were some questions last year about can he hold down the left side of the infield with Miguel Sano. Now 
defensively anyway, the much bigger questions rest on Sano than they do on Polanco. I'm still not sold that he's going to be any gold glove shortstop or anything like that, but that's a pretty big development considering how far the bat came last summer for Polanco. It seems like they have a pretty good answer for 2018 at shortstop. Uh, Derek Wetmore down in Fort Myers. By the way, thank you to all the listeners of the Touch em All podcast and the Mackie and Judd show. We broke a new Touch em All podcast download record this last month, and uh, we appreciate you guys checking it out. If you're new or you haven't checked it out yet, it's uh, mostly just two geeks talking about baseball and making up stats and things <laughs> like that. So, uh, hey, I saw this on 1500ESPN.com. You found a report. Is the Chris Archer dream temporarily dead for the Twins? I think that'd be safe to say, not just for the Twins, but for any team that was hoping to add a young ace and with four years of team control. It's just, I've, I've thought for a while, guys, and I remember joining you guys when you really, really wanted Chris Archer to happen, and I said, <laughs> if I'm Tampa Bay, I'm just, I'm not that motivated to move him right now. Yeah, we're cutting costs, and yeah, anyone that costs more than $500,000 is in jeopardy of losing his roster spot, but with four years left, you could be having the same conversations either in July or next winter where you'd say, hey, we can ask for a couple really, really good prospects for this Chris Archer guy. Uh, not going to compete this year, so might as well get something for him. And I just didn't see the sense of urgency. I, I talked to the Rays analyst last week for the Touch em All podcast, and he said that uh, – he's a writer for CBS Sports, and he said that uh, Archer's on such a good contract that even the Rays can't justify dumping him. And that's kind of how I've felt about it. Now there's a recent report. Uh, John Heyman apparently was told from one of the teams that was asking for Chris Archer, they said uh, an unnamed executive told Heyman, yeah, I don't think Archer's going to get traded. And Heyman said, how do you know? And they said, well, they asked for our entire farm system. So if that's any indication of the asking price, I wouldn't be shocked if Archer's wearing a Rays uniform on opening yeah. day. So do, do you think he gets uh, a dealt at the deadline this year, or, or is this probably into the next year or even, uh, say, as late as 2020? I would say if you if you maybe put odds on it, next winter is the time that I would look to do it if I was Tampa Bay, assuming they're not competitive this year. And I think that's a fairly safe assumption. But if you go into this year and there are three or four teams that see themselves as contenders that need an ace, yeah, why not open up the bidding windows and see what somebody would give you? The way I see the American League breaking out, though, Judd, is there's going to be the haves and the have-nots, and those should be fairly obvious by the trade deadline. So mm-hmm. I just, I guess I question how many teams will be in the running for a guy like Archer and would be willing to give up their top, you know, give up three of your top four prospects to get something like that done to make Tampa Bay, to make it worth their while. Um, I, I think the more likely route, and this is just total guesswork, I'm not, not talking to the Rays on this, but the guess that I would have is that it makes a lot of sense to move him next winter when you can still get a huge package yep. and you move him with plenty of team control left. Do you guys think that, that the type of contract that Archer signed and that you know became, I don't want to say completely common, but certainly, uh, certainly was occurring, do you think that that is going to be a long-term thing now, or are agents and players of, of really good young players going to become uh, more potentially leery of that and start to just let those initial contracts expire more often? What do you guys think? Well, I, I think it depends what time of your career you get to the big leagues. Because if you're Manny Machado and you're in the big leagues at 20, uh-huh. well, you're going to hit free agency with a number of prime years left, and some team's going to give you the moon and the stars in contract talks. But 
if you don't get to the big leagues till you're 25 and you can't hit free agency till you're 31, 32, where now teams are laughing and saying, hey, you're past your prime, we'll give you a one-year deal with a team option for a second year if you want to take that. Uh, that type of player, to me, would be more incentivized to take one of those you know, sort of team-friendly, long-term security contracts like what Brian Dozier signed a few years ago. But the Cleveland Indians tried that this winter. They tried locking up Francisco Lindor. They reportedly offered him, I think it was a contract north of $100 million. I'd have to double-check the reports, but that Lindor's camp wasn't interested in that kind of extension. And that, to me, that, to me, is the signal that, yes, teams would still be willing to do this for their great young players, but if you're truly a great young player and you're going to get to free agency early enough, the incentive just isn't there to buy out some of your free agency years. I think the Twins should try it with a couple of their players. But if I'm Byron Buxton, if I'm Eddie Rosario, I'm going to say, uh, that's okay. Let's see how I perform the next couple of years, and we'll see what free agency looks like. It's a better gamble for hitters than pitchers from a from a player standpoint because of how many pitchers have to undergo Tommy John surgery now. Yeah. And and like for hitters, there's just not the same risk of blowing out an elbow or you know, like Miguel Sano hurt his elbow and had Tommy John surgery in the minor leagues. But you just run much. It's much more easy to predict a path for a hitter than it is for a pitcher. Like look at Tim Lincecum. That dude was the best pitcher on the planet for about four years. I think he won back to back Cy Young awards. And then by the age of 29 or 28, 29, 30, he was cooked. Who would have foresaw that? So if you're a pitcher, I think it's much more likely that you would accept $40 million in guaranteed money like Chris Archer did just to have security and to make life-changing money than if you're a hitter. It makes zero sense if you're a Mike Trout or a – if you're Mike Trout and Mike Trout got paid $30 million a year, I ain't going to hedge, and I'll play this out, and if it takes six years, I'll go make $200 million because I came in the league. It also, yeah, it depends on when you come in the league, like Derek was saying. If you enter the league when you're 25 years old, um, when you hit free agency, you're much less likely to to get the seven-year contract till you're 37 years old. Well, let me turn this around on you guys. Would you sign, if you were the Twins, would you approach Jose Barrios right now, who, let's be honest, had mm. one good year in the big leagues, uh, it certainly seems to be trending in the right direction. He'll be a good pitcher on your staff, but uh, would you offer him some sort of long-term contract right now, just banking on future production? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Now, I don't. I, I don't I mean, know where, where the negotiation starts there, but I think his. First of all, you can't predict elbow injuries much and beyond. I mean, teams are doing research, but he's probably going to need Tommy John. I don't know if you can account for that. He's so you just have to almost ignore it until it happens. But 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 what I try, I, I might let him pitch one more year here, so that he has four more years of team control going into the 2019 season. And if I could get him on a five or a six year deal and limit the arbitration money. I don't know what that is, 40 or $50 million, but I would probably do that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The only reason I ask is because if I'm Boreos and his agent, I'm a lot more interested in that contract for the exact reasons that Phil just mentioned. I'm way more interested in you know, hedging my bets, in limiting my downside. Like, what's, what's the worst-case scenario? Okay, injury. Uh, what can I do to prevent that possibility from ruining my, you know, financial career. And, uh -huh. and if I'm a pitcher, I'm way more interested in that than, like I mentioned before. If I'm Byron Buxton, I, I had a lot of people writing me this winter and asking, hey, would you extend Byron Buxton right now? Would you just sign him to some big long-term contract? And I'd say, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm convinced enough that he's going to be a star player that I'd take that risk. But if I'm Buxton, I should also feel pretty good about the fact that now I'm going to be a star with the defense and running included. Yep. I don't know why I would take some kind of a discount offer right now. I'd be more curious to just let the string play out. I think this this spring is the time to take the Wetmore plan to the Twins and, and to get yourself that, that big paying job, Derek. I think you go to Falvey and Levine and say, gentlemen, hear me out here, the Wetmore plan. You're drafting pitchers, right? You, you tell oh, him yeah. right away. So, because <laughs> Phil's right. I mean, eventually Barrios yeah. is probably going to need TJ surgery. But if he had gone by the Wetmore plan, the TJ surgery would be done by now. So, I think That's this is right. your time to cash in on a million dollar payday as the pitching, as the elbow consultant for the Twins. Everyone who's drafted, who's a pitcher, gets Tommy John surgery. Yes. Uh, reconstructive. No, let's rephrase that. Premature reconstructive <laughs> ligament surgery. Love is it. the new market inefficiency. This is the new money ball, gentlemen. I stand by this. <laughs> I love it. Amazing. Yes. Uh, you can hear more of that innovation and read about it on 1500ASPN.com yeah. and the Touch Em All podcast. <laughs> Bye, Derek. See you, Wetmore. See you, guys. Thank you. Bye. All right, Wetmore, uh, he's living with Patrick Royce. Hey, That's an odd a, couple. He might, he's on to something here, man, because you're right. It's only a matter of time. At some point in time, Perillos is going to grab that that arm and, and have to have TJ surgery. Are we going to get to the point where where that movie about the, the Cubs, the kid pitcher for the Cubs, Rookie of the Year, yeah. where that comes full circle and that we can just create prosthetic arms that are bionic? It's like a robot arm that looks like a real human arm. We're going to get to that point where you just you draft a guy based on his makeup and mm-hmm. then you create his arm once mm-hmm. he's in your system. It'll work out perfectly. <laughs> yes. Uh, Dave, what kind of questions are you going to throw our way next? I have a Wolves Wild related question for you guys, and I'm going to ask you to take a stand on several of the Vikings quarterback options. All right, and I'm going to ask the audience to take a stand when it comes to the car they drive. Don't put up with a lack of durability. Don't put up with a service department that overcharges you, that you don't trust, that doesn't treat you well the minute you drive into that garage. Don't stand for setting the bar low. Go to Luther Brookdale Toyota. It's right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, and they've got a slew of all-new 2018 Toyota Camrys, not only one of the most durable vehicles in the world. In fact, 80% of the Toyotas that were on the road 20 years ago are still on the road today, and that's because they are made very well and they are serviced very well, like they are at Luther. Um, You've got a sporty new styling on the exterior and the interior with this brand new Camry, new exterior design. And also on the interior, it's a driver-focused interior that offers a brand new 8-inch touchscreen with the Entune 3.0 system that connects a customizable home screen to your smartphone. 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. From that day on, we was always together. Mackey and Judd. Like peas and carrots. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, Dave Harrigan. You got questions for Mackie in Arizona. You got questions for me here. We're going to try and answer them. I do have questions. The opening bell, when we started out after a wild loss or a wolves loss, maybe not even a loss, just 
Something that annoys you, it seems to always go, if it's wild related, it's a Judd rant. Judd's going to go off and fly off the handle a little bit about the hockey team. Whereas if it's the Wolves, it's it's Phil's baby. He jumps on the Wolves. He jumps on Tibbs on not getting Towns the ball enough, whatever it is. He's the one who typically takes the lead. So the question is simple. After a night where both teams lost, both of you were annoyed by what you saw, whether it be on the ice or the hardwood. Who is generally more annoyed by the respective teams, Judd <laughs> by the Wild or Phil by the Timberwolves? I've, wow. I feel like my annoyance has been longer than Phil's. Like, I think Phil is catching up. But if this was a race, I got a huge head start because my the race for me goes back to Yozy. It goes back to, boy, probably a year and a half or a couple years after Suter and Parisi joined. So I feel like Phil is very much in the race, but I got a huge head start because the Wolves during that time period were so putrid, there was no reason to get mad. Let's change it then. Let's say 2017-18 season only. Boy, I, I it's it's really hard to be self-aware here too cuz I'd like to think that I'd like to think that Judd flies off the handle much more often and has a wider gap between expectations and reality with the Wild, but then like I come on every morning Carl Anthony Towns doesn't shoot 100 times and get pissed. So, it's <laughs> and your wiggy and your wiggy rants are very akin right. to my, like my Koivu what my Koivu rants have yeah. been. Like if if I similar. if I could exhibit some self-awareness here, and draw a parallel, the Wild have been the same thing for like six years with most of the same pieces, and we just keep bashing our heads into the wall, hoping that they become something different when they're not. Andrew Wiggins hasn't been around for six years, but he's been the same thing for four years. The only hope for Wiggins is that I, I think Wiggins, there's a lot more toothpaste in the tube, and he's still at an age where he could squeeze some of it out if he wanted to. So... I think getting frustrated with Wiggins is a there, there's a little bit more hope there than a wild team that has 34 year olds all over the ice and can't get past the second round of the playoffs. It feels like they're on the downslide, and Wiggins doesn't have to be on the downslide yet, but he just like grab a damn rebound once in a while. But it is it is a fun formula, and like you wake up in the morning and you like for me I'm I'm sitting here on West Coast time, and so I wasn't able to I went to bed early and didn't see all the uh, the action, but. Like, to wake up in the morning and see the Wild blow a lead in the third period and Towns gets one shot in the last six minutes as they squander a lead, like, we know exactly what we're going to be mad about and how we're going to start the show. I feel like so it's kind of it's kind of fun. I feel like your Wolves rants are where my Wild rants were probably three and a half years ago. <laughs> so there, so it's, sure. it's just time. I, I've had more time. I've yeah. had more time to become frustrated. And now I think, I think my rants... To be completely truthful about this, too, you guys, I think they've almost become resigned. Like, it doesn't, like, there's no, I, I can't come here and be shocked by things. Uh, the Wolves, you're still unpleasantly surprised at times. Because it, it 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 makes no sense right now that Cat doesn't get the ball more last night. That makes no sense. With the Wild, you're like, you know what, this doesn't make sense, but I'm used to it by now. Yeah. Yeah, There. I mean, there are more parallels than I probably thought a year ago and you would but, like to admit that but now it's very similar yes very funny all right i've got my crystal ball out you boys uh pull yours out while this plays now humans compete we like rankings phil and judd rank them on 1500 espn you may have seen the email we got from brandon looking at seven different nfl teams he predicted who their starting quarterback will be going into the season he says 
Case is going to land with the Cardinals. You got Sam Bradford as his Viking starter, he says. Teddy as the backup. He says Kirk Cousins is going to land with the Jets. Those are the four names I want you to focus on. Case, Teddy, Sam, and Cousins. All right? I'm going to tell you as I look into my crystal ball that depending on who it is, starting with the Vikings, one of those four, whoever it is, I'm going to guarantee you at least 12 games of good health. Okay, Okay. 12 games of health. The other four, maybe he's healthy, maybe he's not. The backup is Kyle Sloter for all of them, so it's it's the same backup. Defense performs the same for all four. Rank them as far as win totals the Vikings would finish with. Which 12 games? I'm not going to tell you that. (laughs) My crystal ball only goes so far. Uh, All right, this is going to sound... If I if I get twelve games and I'm fairly certain that those games come also during the playoffs, my rankings would actually be. So it's it's I'm gonna still say Kirk Cousins number one, but then I think it goes Sam Bradford two, Teddy three, and Case four, because Case is gonna cost a lot more. You're gonna you're gonna pay less for Teddy and Sam. Because teams think they can't play 12 games, but you've guaranteed us 12 games in this question. So I'm going to take Kirk Cousins, number one. Sam Bradford, when healthy, has been one of the best passers in the NFL the last couple of years, but he's only played 16 games, or 17, if you count that Bears debacle in the first half. No, that we don't count that as playing. But if you, yeah, lying down, <laughs> taking a snap, and just curling Turtling. into he turtled a for napping a position. Yes. Uh, but if I get if I get 12 games of that 70% completion percentage guy and the 100 plus passer rating, he's number two. Teddy's number three, and I just I, don't, I just don't trust Case Keenum. So Case Keenum's number four, and he and he'd be the most expensive. I have Cousins one. I have Sam two. I have Teddy three, just like you. And then there's Case. He's gonna hit. The wall, just like the birds do. <laughs> the 2018 season. Someone's having fun with the button bar. He's going to wake up and he's going to hit the wall. <laughs> See a Case Keenum. Case Keenum is going the. I told you. I told you guys before. I thought when it came to the playoffs, he was going to have to return the slipper. And if yeah. he didn't, if he didn't in the second half against the Saints, he certainly did in Philadelphia. He had to give the slipper back. Well, I mean, and I'm I'm a little hung up on the 12 games of health because I still sure. like I want 16 games of health. It's but if you could, let's say you tweaked the question and said health is not a concern. Period, which is the sort of the spirit of the question. If health is not a concern, Sam Bradford and Teddy Bridgewater become a lot more valuable, especially Sam Bradford, because you know what he looks like with pieces around him. If his knee wasn't degenerative, he'd be great. I mean, if Sam Bradford, like, what what were we thinking about Sam Bradford going into the season? We thought, yeah, this guy, this, this, man, Dalvin Cook, you revamp the offensive line, and then he plays the way he did in week one, and you thought legitimate MVP candidate by the end of the year, and then he can't answer the bell for week two. So if we get to snap our fingers and make his knees healthy and not degenerative, then he becomes much more appealing. But, but unfortunately, get, that's not the case. Yeah, you don't get to do that, so don't t- tweak the questions. <laughs> easy questions. Uh, you did you guys basically tweak that question? No, got, that's, that, that's just me and wow. talk, speaking on behalf of questions. questions. Wow, this is a very, collaboration here, okay? Very upset. Uh, did you guys see that J.R. Smith was suspended for last night's Cavaliers yeah. loss to the <laughs> yeah. 76ers? 108-97, they lose. They never led in the game. 
He was suspended for detrimental conduct. And the reason uh, we now know, according to Brian Windhorst and Dave McMenamin, ESPN, they say J.R. Smith threw a bowl of soup at Cavaliers assistant coach Damon Jones. <laughs> Unfortunately, they were unable to tell us what kind of soup it was, how hot it was, whether there were scaldings or burns or anything. But it's a simple question. I've asked you guys before your favorite soups, your soup rankings as far as eating. Let's go the other way. Now, the caveat is you don't get another bowl of soup. So once you throw it, that soup is gone. Oh, I, you don't get to have it. I got mine easy. What is your number one through, uh, soup to throw at a coworker or superior? This is so easy because, one, it's going to hurt. Two, it's going to make a mess. And three, I have lactose problems. <laughs> Clam chowder. Oh, it's gonna yeah. smell. Clam chowder yeah. is gonna gonna hit you. It's gonna smell. It's got you know. It, it it's got a, some objects, so it might it might if it hits you in the face even hurt a little bit. And I, I don't got, know about that. And I got lactose problems. It's so soft. It's soup. Joe. I, I don't want to eat it. I'm just saying, if it hits you in the eye or the face, it could cause some damage, especially <laughs> wow. espe especially if I've got some cracker shards in it. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Don't, yeah, sell, don't sell me short here. If I'm mad, I'm mad. I thought you were saying you're going to get a clam in the eye, and that just doesn't sound no, very No, no, no. Uh, cracker shards. So anyway, I take the clam chowder, Phil, and I toss it across, mm. across the room, and I save myself several hours oh. in the bathroom. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But I'm, I'm looking for... I want to inflict as much pain as possible here, right? I mean, that's the goal. You're clearly throwing the soup at somebody that you want to get under the skin of. You want to, They've done something to you or have said something to you, and your goal is to inflict punishment. So I'm looking for embarrassment factor. I'm looking for pain factor. And so I have a tie at the top. Uh, for the embarrassment factor, I think getting a large bowl of split pea soup dumped on you with the green kind of oozing factor. Oh, that's good. I like it. On some light-colored colored clothing, that could be disastrous. But I would throw, as much as I love it, I would throw French onion soup. Because imagine how scaldingly hot that layer of cheese with the bread behind it going up against the side of your face. Uh, you, know, you look like the dude from Batman where the, the whole left side of your face is ripped off once you peel the cheese off. Like that, you, have you guys ever stuck in your 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 uh, spoon into a bowl of French onion and taken a bite before you have oh, yeah. a chance to let it cool? Tongue burn. Mm -hmm. You can inflict time. a lot of damage yeah. on somebody in the cafeteria. You get some sure. good smelliness too with the onion uh, onion sticking through them throughout the day. Oh, for sure. Oof. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys have a very couple good choices. I really oh, appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there it is. Um, so when we come back here. Let's. Uh, I have a twins thing that I want to throw at you here regarding unfounded angst and unwarranted angst. And also, at the top of the hour, when we get back to our reckless Viking speculation, I think it was an emailer that tipped us off to this. Bravo for, for digging a layer deeper in the reckless yep. speculation. The a, hypo yep. a hypothetical conversation Mike Zimmer may have had with somebody about Kirk Cousins. We'll get to that as well. And if you missed Charles Robinson, we're going to replay... Uh, probably the whole thing at 1230, Mackie and Judd, Mackie and Phoenix, Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. May I present a pair of fellow sophisticates? Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Kick off your running season with 1500 ESPN at Twin Cities in Motions, Hot Dash 5K and 10 Mile, Saturday, March 24th. Bring your lumberjack bass to this Minnesota-themed event. It features a top 10 U.S. post-race beer garden, live DJ, photo booth, 
Activities for all ages, plus you've got the hot dish and the beer from Summit Brewing Company. Registration is open now. All runners receive a Storm Creek Long Sleeve Quarter Zip Technical Pullover. Details are at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Vargas with a drive to right center field and deep. Kenny Vargas has tied the game. I love it. See ya. <laughs> ah, Tori Hunter. Hopefully he can do more color commentary this year, but I'm guessing he probably uh, probably won't. Morno, do you think Morno's going to be good in the booth, Judd? Um, I don't know. That's in, uh, my Not very dynamic personality. My initial, guy, my initial inclination is he won't be to start with, but if he wants to, he'll improve. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, Tori's just great. Tori's fantastic. Yeah. Bert's doing. Okay. In fact, I think it's uh, it's back to what it was last year. So Bert's doing eighty games. Tori's doing some. Hawk is doing some. They worked in Morneau for a few here and there, but I think he's going to be doing more studio. And then, because Kadir didn't do any last year, correct? He said that he wasn't going to do any in the booth, I don't think. Yeah, I think he, I mean, he he dropped by a couple times, but I don't think he did full games. And then no. Smalley as, as well. Smalley's fantastic. Yeah. So that was a uh, Kenny Vargas moonshot, mm-hmm. which he's able to do. I mean, look at him. The guy is the guy is a hulking figure, and he's he's very powerful. And I've I've seen this enough in Twitter mentions and a couple emails that 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 Logan Morrison on board and the roster crunch, Robbie Grossman, Zach Granite, Kenny Vargas, and, and we're kind of saying Kenny Vargas doesn't have a spot. He can't play a position. They've already got too many first-base DH types, so you just have to say goodbye to Kenny Vargas. He's 27 years old. And the the common rebuttal is, are you worried that he's the next David Ortiz, that you let this guy with potential, that you never really like gave him a full shot and kind of a late bloomer, um, are you worried that he's going to go somewhere else and rake and become a regret for you? Mm-hmm. Well, it occurred to me, especially in 2018, after a record number of home runs in baseball last year, when filling out your resume as a baseball player, if you list, if you go to LinkedIn and you up, upload your new resume as a baseball player, and you list, I hit bombs as the number one thing on your resume. That's pretty much the same thing as I am a good communicator and am proficient in Microsoft Word. Everybody is. Like, if you look up and down baseball, there are, I found this the other day, there are like 150 players who hit 20 home runs or more across the league last year. Every, like, Eduardo Escobar hit 20 home runs. So just to put twins, if you're if you're a fan and you're worried that Kenny Vargas might go on and make you regret it, um, like, is there a chance he blossoms if given 600 plate appearances as a DH? Absolutely. But if the only thing you do is hit home runs, you damn well better be Giancarlo Stanton or the second coming of David Ortiz yeah. for it to be uh, a valuable piece to your puzzle. Like, home runs aren't what they were even five years ago in terms of value. So here's where, where we also have an interesting uh, point of view in this town and probably have to think longer and harder about our approach to a guy like Vargas being let go and or traded because we have Ortizophobia, because he was just let go because that was such a mammoth mammoth blunder. Every guy who can hit for power now that gets let go by the twins, we go back to, Oh my God, what if he's Ortiz? But, but we sat here in the studio two years ago now, is that correct? Saying Oswaldo Garcia, what are you guys doing? Why aren't you giving him a chance? What? Why would you possibly allow him to leave the organization? 
And I think the last I checked, Phil, he's in Mexico playing professional ball there. So Ortiz-a-phobia leads us down the path of every guy who can hit for power. We get very afraid. Uh, that being said, I, I would go back to what we talked about during the Vikings season when, when it came to Case and seemingly the lack of trust that Zimmer put in Case. And I kept saying, if you like Mike that much and think he's that good of coach and that good of football mind, then then you don't have the then you don't have the opportunity in my mind to then say, but I love Case too. So I think in this conversation, if you're saying that you trust uh, Falvey, Levine, and Paul to a certain extent, you also need to say they've seen Vargas for an extended period of time now. If they've deemed that he's not going to do much, they're probably going to be right. Well, and even if they're wrong, I think uh, Ortizophobia is a great new phrase. We should definitely put that on a T-shirt. I like that. Ortizophobia set in at a time, if you remember, in like 2003, 2004, when the Twins had great defensive players, they had speed, they hit for high batting averages, like they had contact guys, they had a bullpen, um, they had Johan Santana, so their pitching staff was fortified with this Cy Young Award guy. The one missing ingredient was power at the time. Mm-hmm. So power was their deficiency. So Ortizophobia was even more magnified yes. that the only thing you needed was this thing that David Ortiz has, and now he's doing it at a Hall of Fame level in Boston and bringing them three championships. And you gave it away. Yes. Power and DH, Logan Morrison, you got Miguel Sano. It's it's not the thing that you need to put this team over the top. Not that you're going to be able to trade Kenny Vargas for a number one starter. In fact, you, if you put Kenny Vargas on the trade market, you probably get a bag of batting practice baseballs right now. Yeah. Uh, but basically, if you don't offer anything else, if you don't offer a glove, if you don't have a position, if you can't steal bases or get on base at a high clip, which he doesn't really do either, you know, if you don't really hit for – he's a goal line fullback. So his home runs are great, but – but He's Asiata? Like, well, yes. He's pretty much Matt Asiata. <laughs> he's Tahi? The rest of the team got you to this point, and then maybe, maybe the goal line fullback comes in and hits a home run. But even then, you know – Kenny Vargas, I don't think at any level he's ever hit 20 home runs. Well, he's if you combine levels, he has. Like, he hit 20 home runs combined levels last year. But yeah. he, just, he, he looks like he should hit for more power than he does. We've just gotten to the point now where we are so fearful. We are so fearful that the next guy that gets let, let go who can hit for power is going to turn in, is going to get picked up by those damn Red Sox, right? Yes. Just, and, and you know what? Again, I'll go back to the, the resume analogy. If you're looking at resumes and you're looking to hire someone, all right, we got to hire someone on the Mackie and Judd show. And the number one thing on the resume is like they know how to use Microsoft Word, which we, we've been using for 20 years. It's like it's not valuable. What else do you do? Okay, right. that's great. I hit for power. Okay, do you play outfield? N- no. Do you catch? N- no. Do you play first base well? Are you fast? Not really. No, not not really. But I hit bombs. Okay. Well, we already we're fine on that. And actually. I can and, and I can really eat too. Yeah. The spread, I <laughs> yes. kill the spread. Exactly, exactly. Um, all right, we got an email from somebody. It's uh, it's a good hypothetical, and it adds to our reckless quarterback speculation. So we're going to do it when we come back here. Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie at Hubbard, Phoenix.